0: It's time for Knox Talk, a behind-the-scenes look at the business side of college sports. Featuring Paul Sickman from Knox Sports and Brandon Parks from the Vol Network. Now for today's show. Welcome to another edition of Knox Talk. Today is Friday, October 2nd. My name is Paul Sickman from Knox Sports here in beautiful Tampa, Florida home to the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning, and my co-host is the effervescent Brandon Parks from the University of Tennessee in the Ball Network. Today we are going to talk about sponsorship sales and its interaction with college traditions. You know, it's funny, the NFL seems to be just rocking along. I'm not missing a beat right now with their television product this season because their product is mainly and always has been an on the field product. But college sports it's just not about what is on the field it is sometimes about everything off the field it's about sprinting through a tee it's about watching a spear hit the turf with the war chant cascading through the stands or rubbing a rock and running down a hill it is about bebo it's about mike the tiger it's about ralphie and ugga it's hedges it's friday night bonfires and it's dotting the i but how do sales professionals Take advantage of all this passion and not cross the line by angering fans with commercialism. That's our topic today, and with that I welcome my good friend Brandon Parks.
1: Hello, Brandon. Paul, good
0: afternoon. Good to be with you today. Thank you, sir. So today we're going to talk about tradition, which we both love. I know we love not just the places we went, but all over the country and what makes college unique and, and it's really an interesting topic to me. It is how do you not cross the line? Because both of us have been in the sales and buying mode for you know for colleges all over the United States, and it is a very difficult thing sometimes. Because the way to reach fans is to reach into passion, and to try to reach into that passion, you have to kind of touch and 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 look at the traditions that those schools and those properties have. But if you go too far that brain is going to lose. So I, I think what I want to do today, Brandon, I know you've got a ton of stories to, that will relate for us here, is talk about that. And so the first point here is, in general, if you have a long-established tradition with a school, it's not going to be successfully sponsored in a traditional sense. And I'll give you an example here. I mean, I don't think you can put the, the Target logo in the middle of Doe Campbell Stadium uh, and expect that sphere to hit it and have no one be angry. I, I don't think you're going to have... <laughs> Uh, Mike's cage in Baton Rouge sponsored by Frosted Flakes and expect no one to be angry I think you just have to you just can't cross a line with traditions in that way what are your thoughts on that
1: I I think it's something that certainly traditions often separate help separate professional sports and specifically the NFL from college sports you know, the college sports and specifically in college football has such a long track record and those traditions have been built over time. I think you made a great point earlier. I do think it's part of the buying reason from a client and a sponsorship perspective is in a, in a, at a 30,000-foot level, part of why they're buying certain institutions is to, is to buy the traditions that come along with a football Saturday or a basketball or a game at Rupp Arena you want to be associated with that passion and that energy and something that means so much to fan bases and so I, I think it's a driving force uh, and a selling point for us as as sponsorship sellers and buyers in your case. Uh, but I think you, you hit on the right point. For a long-standing tradition it becomes a very difficult decision to then want to sell a sponsorship to that specific tradition. and. You know, when I look back just at my career here at the Vol Network at the University of Tennessee, I was a fan first of the Vols. I grew up in Knoxville. I went to games as a child. I think part of the reason that I had the affinity to the University of Tennessee is because it was something that my dad and I did uh, while I was growing up. It was something that he could take me to. And I remember sitting outside of the stadium on the hill watching the Vol Network uh, with their pregame traditional Broadcast, and I remember watching the team walk to the stadium in the vol walk, and I would see the boats floating down the Tennessee River as part of the vol navy, and then you see the team run through the T, and you have all of these traditions, and I think that's what builds um, what builds the the loyalty that fans have to their schools because it's it's a unifying force, uh, but you you can take it a step too far if you if you try to insert. Sponsorship into something uh, that is much more organic, uh, and then it just—it's not ultimately a fit. Um, and so I can tell you, I wear two hats as a college sports marketer. On one hand, uh, I am a—I am an aggressive, hopefully innovative seller that's trying to create new and creative ways for sponsors to be able to activate uh, around college sports and drive their business, build brand association, uh, and and create value. But then on the other hand, when I, when I take my college sports marketing hat off and I put on my fan hat, I have to think about how I would view it if someone were to try to, 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 to I don't want to say mess with one of our traditions, but, but essentially come in and take ownership of a tradition or, or create something that feels more forced than organic. Uh, and, and I think we, we have to balance that each and every day. Now, I think uh, you've got a, a few ways here that we can talk through that, that I think sponsors can uh, create some brand association and identity around, around traditions, but there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Um, and it is, you never want to hard sell a tradition at a school w- when you're a brand. You want to organically be a part of it. Uh, and, and I think there's a big difference between the, between the hard sell uh, and, and just the organic involvement with the overall program, but I, it's a fascinating topic because you're right at the NFL level and across a lot of other professional sports levels, um, traditions that have, that have been created over time often are easy to assign in a brand to uh, and to give ownership to a company to. But in college, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what makes it special and unique. Yeah,
0: I, I, yeah, all those things are true. I, I think it's almost like a line. Uh, if, someone, if, if there is a tradition that's been going on forever, it, you really, it's almost impossible to successfully just brand it. I, I think you can subtly do some things. You could have uh, that portion of the game uh, slotted on the video board as this portion of the game brought to you by or this pre-game brought to you by and then you can you can uh, throw a logo up there that's, that's not talking about that particular piece but the, but you can subtly get to it and I think uh, I think for a long-standing tradition there's only really two opportunities there is potentially some presented by status that is subtle and not a part of it um, you can uh, maybe there is a very very super subtle way to do a plaque uh, below the hedges or a plaque on a uh, on a sod cemetery or a, uh, you know but that's more of an ego buy it doesn't really do anything for the brand it wouldn't be something I would ever recommend to a client but where you maybe can do something with a long-standing tradition is if you could potentially enhance it and, and that's a tough line but Maybe there's a way you can enhance that tradition, and technology gives us a lot of opportunities to enhance. Right now, obviously, where some traditions can't be seen by people, so technology is out there and giving us a chance to show people who normally would be at the um, at the stadium an opportunity to so, show. So maybe that technology affords a sponsor to get some input into that. I mean, let's, let's say that you know you're at the you're at the uh, the bonfire at Texas A&M on a Friday night, um and you know, maybe great southern wood is able to give you enough great lumber that you get the fire that are 20 <laughs> feet higher or something. I mean, uh, maybe uh, the handler or the, the group of handlers for Ralphie is that uh, is that buffalo storms around Folsom Field, maybe the handlers are outfitted by uh, all with Justin Boots and, and uh, terrific. So, and they just look better, you know, as they're running around. So there's a way to maybe enhance that tradition But when you, I think we both agree that you try to slap a logo on something that people are very passionate about, I think that the backlash will be just horrific for that brand, and it'll end up doing more harm than good. So I think one thing I did want to talk about, I don't know if you had any kind of horror stories of people who have done that, Brandon, but the next kind of point here is how does a brand get associated with a tradition? And sometimes it's taking a risk, and sponsoring a tradition when it first starts. I know by definition, a tradition is something that's happened forever, but I I will tell you that we've had, at our company, we've had some success with kind of sponsoring things right at their outset and and being able to make it work. I have two examples from Texas. Um, At at University of Texas, when the new athletic director got there, uh, Chris basically said he wanted to create more of a game day atmosphere and so their game day, uh, they had what they called Bevo Boulevard and and Bevo is obviously the name of the sphere. Uh, And so Bevo Boulevard and the opportunity to parade that gigantic animal uh, down a route uh, became an opportunity for our client, uh, Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, to be able to have banners and sponsor this Bevo Boulevard. And so we did everything we could to kind of surround this magnificent animal with some branding, which became a social media hit because as soon as Bevo Uh, left the the cart, uh, or left his trailer, I mean, people are screaming and you've got happy, happy people with your brand. Uh, And it was a brand new take on what had, obviously, is a tradition, having Bebo in the ballpark. So we were able to get there at the beginning uh, and it it felt very natural and organic. Another similar example with a gigantic animal in in Texas was at West Texas A&M, where they got a brand new stadium and they put their... Uh, Their buffalo, uh, uh, Thunder, in a brand new pen uh, outside the the brand new facility, gorgeous pen, again, all sponsored. And it gave people an opportunity to come up and see the animal in a brand new environment uh, and take pictures and do all these things. And so you had a tradition that was altered slightly with with a huge change. uh, And as a sponsor, you're able to kind of sneak in and make it feel like it's part of the deal. I don't know if you have any examples like that, Brandon, or not.
1: Uh, coincidentally, I have a, a Farm Bureau Insurance Tennessee example uh, for us. They created a new marketing campaign that's currently being executed in our, in our state about we're all growing something. And they have this theme that they're using really outside of Tennessee athletics. It's, it's a broad general marketing and advertising theme that the company has, has taken ownership of and one of the ways that that we have tried to help them activate the activate the theme and then merge it with college athletics is through traditions and so over the summer uh, they worked on producing a number of short short form videos like three minute videos that basically go back and celebrate the traditions of university of tennessee athletics and tennessee football uh, and they, they broke each of the traditions down into into single videos, gave the history of the tradition, uh, and basically paid homage to it, and, and just celebrated the fact that that we're all growing something. And the University of Tennessee uh, has been growing a program uh, and growing a history and a tradition for years and years and years. And this was one way for them uh, to, to pay homage to those traditions and pageantry and so forth of Tennessee athletics. And I, I think it's a... It's a way for them, one, to to create some brand recognition uh, and associate themselves to these traditions, do it in a tasteful way that's celebrated by our fans, uh, and then engage fans um, through a digital platform uh, through social media, which is how the majority of these videos will be pushed out, um, and and do so and and, and have a captive audience for for more than just a 30-second television spot or a 30-second radio spot and what have you. and I, I, I think you mentioned earlier enhance um, traditions. I would tell you enhance and celebrate traditions. Uh, that's one way to, to potentially have a sponsor that can help present something in a way that doesn't feel like they're trying to over-commercialize it. Because uh, I think that's the biggest pushback you get. Don't mess with my traditions, leave my traditions alone. Um, and the moment that, that you start talking about brand insertion, then you're talking about over-commercializing. And I, I think, you know, in a lot of places, the venues where these games take place are traditions unto themselves and how we manage the facilities and what we're willing to do and what we're not willing to do. I think we've talked about it on previous podcasts, um, but There are ways, I think the Farm Bureau insurance examples there in Texas, and then also with Tennessee, uh, with our Farm Bureau insurance group here, finding ways to enhance and celebrate uh, is a great way to tie sponsorship into tradition.
0: Yeah, you're right. i mean, talking about the venue, um, and again, we were sounding very uh, parochial here, but uh, probably maybe a half dozen years ago, uh, the folks at, uh, at IMG Learfield uh, sold a sponsorship. There's only four signs on Doe Campbell Stadium in Tallahassee, and two of them are are not branded at all. Uh, and the one that is seen by everybody on the one side of the facility, um, they sold to McDonald's. And so you had all of a sudden gigantic golden arches on the outside of this beautiful brick building, and the fan base went nuts and, and just crucified. The folks in Tallahassee is money hungry and defecating their on their facility, and it was just and it was you know less than a couple months later that that logo came down and generic Florida State logo went back up there, and so an attempt to sell what was meant always meant to be a commercial sign in an overt way um, just backfired big time, and and just as you said, you just can't cross the line. Uh, Another example. Go ahead. And
1: it's it's not only it's not only negative publicity for the institution, the school, the athletics department, but when you're having a sponsorship conversation, as badly as we may want to try to get a deal done, sometimes we have to, we have to back the client down to, to let them know, hey, if, if we do go down this path, you need to know on the front end that if this is negatively received by the community and the fan base, that, that it not only is frowned upon to the institution, but it's also something that could negatively impact your brand, which is the last thing we want to do.
0: Right, right. I, I, another kind of crazy story in, in Indiana. This may not mean to a lot to a lot of people who are not, you know, Hoosier or boiler maker fans. But in the uh, in the early '70s, uh, there were a couple institutional commercials that became associated with these two schools. And Martha the Mop Lady uh, at Indiana, and then there was a tuba man commercial. Uh, in uh, at Purdue and so In both cases that these institutional people The lady in Indiana is basically mopping and as she mops she starts whistling the fight song and before you know it You know everyone around her is singing with her and the Indiana people are, and are all joining in and, and the same thing at, at, at Purdue the tuba man comes up starts playing a few notes and then the whole band joins in and well these were kind of just commercials. Well, they became such an integral part because there was only one sponsor for the, uh, TV broadcasts in the early seventies. And these commercials ran incessantly with this one sponsor. Well, that sponsor, uh, obviously as times changed and the network went on, uh, the commercials kind of faded away, but the people who were longtime fans, Vivian and Purdue, remembered those two iconic commercials and they wanted them back. Well, there was a fight because the sponsor owned the commercials, and so they went to the sponsor, who is now a client of ours, and said, "We want to get these back." Well, the sponsor said they're ours, and so they said, "Great, will you sponsor them?" <laughs> and so they brought them back into both facilities, and now the right before the teams come on the court in both Indiana and Purdue are these two iconic commercials, which intimately lead into the fight song, which now, as soon as you see the beginning of these commercials, everyone in the stadium is standing up and is now engaged. And this is the main tradition that happens in both of these facilities pregame. And it is a sponsor-infused commercial that, that was begged to be brought back. And so the Learfield folks up there worked with our client and got them now. They are now intricately woven into this tradition. It is the most incredible sponsor-infused tradition I think I've seen anywhere in the country. Uh, and when we went up there and began to renegotiate these deals for this client, the, the the client and the team said, well, you can't do anything about that. I'm like, okay, well, then that's a baseline. We're going to work around that. <laughs> but it was really brilliant. Um, next point I was going to make, you know, in terms of what is always able to work, and I think it's this is where our creativity comes in, is that traditions in college are inherently business-to-business opportunities for us. And, and whether that means uh, you're going to be able to find a unique way to view and or experience tradition, that's an incredible opportunity. And whether you talked about the ball walk and certainly at your place, they, you know, the, the, the team and the way they run through the tee and they went through the band, all those things, it, how do you present opportunities no matter what the tradition is, to allow your customers to experience in a unique way, and I'm not talking about, hey, we got them on the field, but there are amazingly unique ways that you can integrate sponsors into um, traditions, uh, whatever that looks like. Um, And I think that will always be a truism, and I don't think that ever crosses a line because the general public doesn't get to see that. Don't you agree with that?
1: No, I I agree 100%. Um, The experiential angle from a sponsorship involvement Um, is significant because I think that part of what the big selling point is for fans, for businesses, for companies that are interested in entertaining clients uh, is just the overall pageantry history tradition of the game day experience itself. And uh, there are, I believe there are a lot of what we would call general college football fans out there who, who have a bucket list of Venues and games that they want to attend in their lifetime because there's just something special about an Alabama Auburn game, or there's something special about a, an Army Navy game, uh, and and they want to experience those kinds of things. And if you're a school that has rich traditions, and you be, you know become a bucket list type of venue, uh, then you then you have something um, that can be pretty special. And and if you're a company that's involved with a school. Uh, that's, that's one of the key selling points from a, from a hospitality perspective and a business-to-business perspective uh, because it, it, it becomes a leverage point. Uh, and if you're a company, and, and I'll give you a very good example, C.H. Robinson is a logistics and transportation company uh, with offices regional offices out of Atlanta, Georgia, and for a number of years uh, they would attend usually one of our, our biggest football games of the year, whether it be a Florida, Alabama, Georgia-type game, they would always come up and, and spend a weekend with us once per year, uh, and they would entertain 150 clients, and the the goal behind it was to spend a full day, a full weekend with these folks, but then it was also to experience the traditions of University of Tennessee athletics with them, knowing that their competition could not deliver the same thing. And the, the thought always, and it was a pretty simple thought in the original proposal pitch was, where else can you get this experience other than through C.H. Robinson? And in their industry, they use that as a huge uh, a huge selling point and a huge advantage from a, a business-to-business perspective. Um, and, and so that that's ways that you take advantage of your tradition, and you're right, it's not something that's visibly seen, but it's a way for us to create incremental revenue dollars uh with without doing something that's viewed as over commercialized
0: Mm -hmm. and and you know we had
1: we've had some examples here where um you know it
0: might even be infused into a register to win i mean we're working on one right now for a client you know boise state when boise state runs on the field the first guy has got this big huge sledgehammer Um, that's their tradition he runs on the field with a sledgehammer well we now have worked it out where that sledgehammer is going to be signed by the head coach and given to Either a corporate client or someone who's or a uh, a registered to win client, so it gives us an opportunity to. We're not in the middle there; we don't have these guys running out of the field with them. Um, but at the same token, we're we're making it work for either a B two B way or in a registered to win way by taking advantage of the back end uh, of the opportunity as it's presented. So it's 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 another yeah. way to kind of skin the cat there.
1: And and it's exactly what you said earlier. It's an enhancement to the tradition and it's an extension of the tradition uh, without taking it too far in Mm -hmm. in that sense um i I will say this i'll tell you one story and i want to hear your best story um the what's the worst example of someone trying to over commercialize a tradition that you've either been a part of or you've seen so think about that for a second Um, but at tennessee the ball walk started in 1990 under head coach johnny majors uh, who we lost uh, this past year Uh, So we're in 30 years of the ball walk, which is the team's traditional March from one end of campus, from the football complex uh, to the stadium. Uh, And it's something that, you know, we have 30, 40,000 fans that will come out and line the streets, obviously not this year, but in normal years, 30, 40,000 fans will show up to watch our team led by our head coach, walk to the stadium. And obviously, huge part of, of the Tennessee game day experience. But we had a motorcycle company uh, a few years ago that approached us about essentially having motorcycles to lead our ball walk. And um, I accepted the idea and then immediately was shut down once I had the conversation on campus because it was just not something they wanted to touch or to mess with. They wanted to keep it organic in nature. and and you know, as a fan, I can, I can respect that. Um, but you know, there's plenty of examples similar to that over the years where I know if, if we had taken a step and, and had took something on that, that a client potentially wanted to do, um, we, we would have regretted it almost immediately. Um, so what, do you have a, do you have a, A really bad example. I have a pitch that got shut down. Uh, I don't know if this is
0: a great example or not, but we had a uh, a company that sells potting soil that we were we were pitching, um, and they really wanted their southeastern conference was their target. They wanted to have all these states uh, because of the growing seasons, etc. And so we went in with the incredibly brilliant idea that we would sponsor the hedges at all these southeastern conference schools. Uh, all across the South, and we would have, you know, somewhat, we'd have somewhat subtle signage everywhere that the hedges were you know, grown by X. Uh, and uh, the company thought that was a really good idea, are you going to get away with that? And uh, it didn't take many phone calls to realize I was not going to get away with that. So uh, <laughs> uh, we, we, loved, we loved the idea, but that didn't come to fruition. I, I tell you, when we, we got on the edge with one, we we had a client that uh, was looking for a unique way to tie into Virginia Tech, and, and for years, Bud Foster was the defensive coordinator there, and he was known for giving a beat-up old lunch pail to the defensive player of the game, and it became a symbol of Virginia Tech defense, was this beat-up old lunch pail, and so we had a client that wanted to do a register to win, where someone would get the beat-up old lunch pail signed by Bud Foster every game, and so... You know, we have a registered win and the family gets to go down on the field In an hour and a half before the game, they meet Bud Foster, Bud Hansel, they beat up a lunch pail, he signs it. And the, the, there was a little bit of backlash right away until people realized that it was a replica of the lunch pail. They really thought that, that, that Bud only had one and he was uh, giving it away to these people and were very angry. Then he realized it was a replica and people calmed down and said, okay, this is okay, this is fun. And it was... I think the most successful RTW we we have ever done uh, with that school, as people kind of embraced it, but we were on the edge
1: there of, uh, of crossing the line there early. Fascinating, good stuff, <laughs> really good stuff. Well, anyway, guys, that's
0: uh, that's kind of uh, all we have today. So the bottom line, I think, is don't cross the line when it comes to selling around college traditions. You can be there and. And sell when the line was created. Uh, maybe you can sell an enhancement of the line, make it a little bolder, or you can bring a bunch of guests to wind that to watch that line uh, up close. But if you cross the line, it's probably trouble for you and your brand. But thank you guys again. This is uh, Brandon Parks and Paul Sickman from Knox Talk saying goodbye for now.